So if you'll allow me, I'll go ahead with some thoughts about discipleship as a connect, grow, serve process. Um, I'm helping someone, or I'm sorry, keep going forward here, progress. Let's start with connecting, okay? Connecting with God. The Christian life begins, it really ignites with an individual encountering the living God in a life-changing experience. And it takes many different forms, probably as many different forms and shapes as there are Christians in the world, from a down-and-out drug addict, alcoholic, uh, to the compliant child of a Christ, in a Christian home, and everything, everything in between. But there is a common experience, and that experience is recognizing that God, by the Holy Spirit, has, is working in your very being. Uh, you are a child. At some point or another, you recognize God is within me, changing me, making me alive. That's connecting with God. There's an awareness of spiritual rebirth, the act of God bringing us spiritual life, making us spiritually alive. As it's been said recently uh, in a sermon, quoting some well-known person, probably C.S. Lewis, or I don't know, but it was said, Christianity is not a matter of God making bad people better, but it's a matter of God taking dead people and bringing them alive, making them alive. And so Jesus says in John chapter 3, verse 3, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Can't do it. And he goes on in that chapter to explain. He's talking about the work of the Holy Spirit, bringing people to life. And we begin this new life as infants, babes in Christ, I think the King James would say, a version from years past, when we need nurture and care of the most basic sort. We're dependent on others to teach us, to lead us, to help us in our faith. And so 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, the Apostle Peter says, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good. But this infant stage, independent of the care and input we receive from others, is marked by qualities that the Holy Spirit brings to life uh, in the newly born follower of Jesus. Uh, among those are uh, typically a childlike faith. Just, oh, the Bible says it? I believe it. That settles it. I'm, I'm doing it. Right? And, and, and we find these new believers doing things that People who have been in the faith for a long time wouldn't even think of doing, but they do it, and they experience miracles in their life. There's often a deep humility. In fact, probably there has to be a deep humility because the process of coming into this new birth is, involves surrendering everything, giving up all our efforts and saying, Lord, uh, 
you are the Lord. I, I am not the Lord of my life anymore. There's a desire that the Holy Spirit, again, puts in us to, to change. And not just the desire, but the power actually to leave ungodly habits behind. We find ourselves changing from the inside out. And then, and then there's a love that comes. We find ourselves being attracted to other Christians. Uh, we like them, which is kind of a weird thing out in the world, right? But we, we find ourselves liking, oh, even loving these people that we barely even know or don't know at all. And as the baby grows and is nurtured in the new life in Christ, uh, it starts to find its feet, starts to toddle. And often a, another stage follows, and that is the stage of the learner. Now, this involves an earnest desire to grow, uh, to learn. Uh, it's interesting that in the original language of the New Testament, Greek, the word for disciple is mathetes, or mathetes. They don't, nobody really knows how to pronounce it. But it, it means learner. That's what a, a disciple is, a learner. And so uh, this stage then uh, is hungry wants to learn, wants to grow, wants to find out. Uh, you'll find uh, they uh, have a teachable spirit, right? They're, they're desiring and willing to be instructed by others. And uh, there's uh, uh, just this, this, this hunger, anyway. And as the growing believer understands more of his or her status as a child of God and grasps more of the call... The normal healthy desire emerges to serve, to serve Jesus in this world in some way, any way sometimes. Uh, I recall a friend who experienced his spiritual birth while at sea on a ship serving in the Navy. And he, he just found himself compelled to, to, to clean things up, to go around picking up other people's garbage and cleaning up anything he could see. And, and he, just, he was just anxious to, uh, to serve, to, to improve things. He couldn't help himself. And eventually he became a, a, sub, you know, a topic of mockery and ridicule a little bit by his shipmates. But he survived that and uh, carried on. So this stage is marked by an eagerness to serve, uh, sacrificially even, desire to obey others, and a humility, again, in a willingness to do the unglamorous things in the church or in the world, uh, helping someone move, shoveling church sidewalks, cleaning up, cutting grass, the things, um, the things that don't uh, attract great... Uh, plaudits. So this process as a whole could be described as a progression of stages in which they're dominant, but in none of those stages is there a, an exclusive, is it exclusive, but, but they're dominant characteristics. And this, uh, each of these stages, uh, if you allow that, are, are characterized by pitfalls as well, or dangers that go along with it. At the infant 
connecting stage, the danger is that there might be an introduction of false teaching. Uh, you can see the book of Galatians for an example of that. Another significant danger is that the babe in Christ never grows out of that dependency. Um, it's important for new believers to gain the confidence to read the Bible for themselves, to, to understand that they have a direct connection to the Father. You don't have to go through anyone to get there. It's the gift of God that we have direct access for, uh, to the throne room of God, every one of his children. And yet, regrettably, some people never grow out of that dependence on others. And we have to encourage people, every child of God, to self-nurture, to find that place of connection with God where they can sustain their own spiritual life and they aren't dependent on anyone else for that. Dangers that can emerge in the growth stage or learner stage include studying the Bible for the sake of intellectual exercise, uh, holding the scriptures at a distance and observing it, uh, analyzing, uh, but never embracing it, never coming under its authority, never allowing the word to shape our lives. It's also spiritual pride is a, is a danger here as well. Apostle Paul says, uh, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And there can be no, sometimes no graduation from this learning stage, that we're forever learning, but we never really become doers of the word, which Apostle James warns about. Now, as the earnest believer begins to serve Jesus in the world, he or she may also fall victim to spiritual pride, feeling oneself superior to others, given all the selfless uh, right, uh, service you're giving. Right? You're, uh, look, at, look at what I'm doing. Uh, what's, the, what's the matter with you? How come you're not working as hard as I am? Or one might be unable to discern and distinguish the needs that you see all around you in the world from actually the call of God to you. The need is not the call. And so, but if we don't get that somehow, we can be drawn into overcommitment, doing all kinds of things, feeling trapped in, uh, in our commitments with, with no way out. And burnout is often the result of that. Or service might displace communion with God. Billy Graham uh, died this past year, and uh, you know who Billy Graham is? Everybody know? Billy Graham was one of the, uh, well, probably the preeminent evangelist of the, the 20th century. Uh, was responsible for millions I guess, of people making commitments to Christ. But he, as he neared the end of his life, he had uh, not a lot of regrets, but he did have some. Uh, one of them was, and there are, uh, yeah, just a few, but one of them was that uh, he wished he'd spent more time with his family. Kind of obvious, I guess, for him. Um, but the other was that 
He wished he'd spent more time preparing to preach in prayer and in study uh, than, than actually taking that next speaking engagement. He wished he'd spent more time in those things. And that's connected to uh, a kind of another pitfall here where, where what we do are, becomes our identity, our ministry becomes who we are. And it's a, it's a form of idolatry that, again, uh, ends up in all kinds, can end up in all kinds of bad fruit, uh, presenting a false image of ourself and uh, feeling, again, trapped in, uh, in what we do. Or one might simply hit the wall in, as you're going along serving the Lord. Uh, as we heard from Peter Scazzaro in his books on unhealth, or sorry, emotionally healthy spirituality, as we studied those, he presented this concept of the wall. And it's simply a set of circumstances that you run into in your life that you just can't explain. We, uh, we were talking about, in the hymn we sung, uh, All It Is Well With My Soul, that fellow lost his, his family, his children, in, uh, in a boating accident or a, when a ship went down in the Atlantic. Um, these things you just can't understand on the surface as being part of God's will. It just doesn't seem to, they seem to defy logic. How can this be if there is a, a loving and all-powerful God in the world? And they take all kinds of forms, of course. They can be financial. They can be relational. Your spouse uh, divorces you. Uh, threat, your health is, is threatened, and so on. And at this point, the believer may enter a season of confusion, disillusionment. Uh, heard of the book of Job? If you want an example, you can read that. Uh, and it produces a renewed seeking of truth. Like, what, what, is, what is God really like if this can happen in the world? If this can happen to me, what is God really like? And it begins this seeking that eventually leads us back. Jesus says, seek and you will find. Right? And he says in the book of Jeremiah, by the inspiration, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And these circumstances motivate us to seek again. Oh, Lord, what are you really like? What is happening? And in time... Uh, in time, the believer eventually finds themselves back at that beginning. The light starts to dawn, and sometimes from unexpected sources, God breaks through and starts to restore this confidence in God's faithfulness and blessing. And so, the linear development of stages that I propose, connecting, growing, and serving, uh, becomes a kind of cycle where you connect, grow, serve, and repeat this again, often. And uh, with each of these cycles, my, my, minor or major, sometimes it's as simple as, look, I'm trying to, to do this service, trying to reach these kind of people, but I need some training. I need to know 
how to reach these people. I need to know the culture that I'm dealing with, or I need to know uh, what it is I'm supposed to present to them from Scripture, or so on. Uh, But each one of these cycles, whether they're major, a major life wall that forces us to go deeper, uh, or minor, each one underscores our life, deepens our life, makes it more substantial, more weighty as we go through this process and become deeper, more solid followers of Christ, where the character of Christ becomes more a part of our soul one way or another. And one last thing to remember about this whole thing and I would say probably, well, before I do that, I think, I think probably these, the goal of this, uh, that, that what I've said is this is a process or a, a cycle, but I think the goal is to be disciples where we have a childlike faith. We have a learning, seeking heart. We have a servant heart all the time, together, right, as a whole day by day. That's probably the goal. And while these stages are most discernible in maybe an early Christian's first few years or something like that, but the goal is to have these qualities rich and whole in your life all the time. But there is one thing I want us to remember, and we've sung about it today. Um, This whole life of growth and change, whether we're aware of it or not, whether we respond to it or not, It never leaves the atmosphere of God's love. God's love surrounds us on all sides, whether we feel it or not, whether we can understand it or not. Uh, He he is always acting in love for our very best interests. Uh, It's just a fact. And one day, we'll understand it, (laughs) even if we don't at this moment. Uh, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation, anything, angels, demons, life, death, nothing can separate us from God acting for your very best. Always. Now, I could give testimony uh, from, to this model from personal experience. Maybe you can relate to it, maybe not. It is just a concept, though. But to the extent that it mirrors reality, and it does for me in, in many aspects, at what point in this cycle that I've proposed would it not be a great thing to have a helper on the journey? When you first come to Christ and you need some direction, where do I read? What do I study? How, do I, what, what, how can I understand? What are the basics of the faith? Um, Someone to point you in the right direction as you hunger to learn. Someone to be alongside as you explore your spiritual gifts and start to serve and to help you with boundaries, how to establish appropriate boundaries as you seek to follow Christ. Just give it your all. And it's not hard to see how the statements of the way of Jesus could be consistent with the... Connect, grow, serve 
model, is it? I mean, if, I'm not going to take time to go into it. Um, but I've begun following Jesus and depending on the spirit of Jesus in my journey. What a, what a great way to describe this, if we, if we get into that, describe this connecting stage. I've begun this journey. I, I've connected with Jesus, and I've begun following him. Anyway, we return then to the opening statement. I'm helping someone, and someone is helping me to be a reproducing follower of Jesus. Can, can we answer the question, who am I helping? Who am I helping, and who's helping me? I'm not going to talk about the mechanics of mentoring or, or even being a disciple. There are lots of good books and material, and some of you have read already been exposed to the best teaching you're ever going to hear. It's not a, a lack of knowledge uh, in, these, in these cases. And if you do get motivated... I have, if you do become a learner and want to learn about this, I have no doubt the Lord will lead you to the right, uh, to the right materials and resources that you need uh, for that, that learning process. Um, I had the privilege this year, along with my amazing wife, Carrie, you want to stand? No, she doesn't. Okay. <laughs> we went to our denomination's regional gathering in Calgary. And the way of Jesus was a topic that was often brought up and referred to in, in many of the uh, uh, sessions we had. Um, but what interested me and what struck me was that its most enthousi enthusiastic advocates uh, were those who were actually working through these statements, were actually taking them seriously and working with them in the context of motivated accountability. They had someone helping them, and they were helping someone as they uh, made these statements habitual in their life. They became a real part. No, these are, these are worthwhile. Let's, let's work this out. Let's, let's try and do some of these things. Let's be doers of these words. Uh, and they were thrilled, to be honest, with the growth they were, they were uh, experiencing. But these individuals were few. <laughs> there was only a few of them in the whole gathering. Uh, not, and not that the way of Jesus is the ultimate test of our faithfulness to Jesus. It isn't. But I wonder how many of us have decided to devote themselves to accountable relationships. They will find some good material, like the way of Jesus, and say, let's do this. Let's allow this to make us better, better in our lives. And not just better, uh, better disciples, but better reproducing disciples. That, that adds an edge, doesn't it? It adds, no, this is something else. We want to be those who are being fruitful in our faith. They're actually spreading. And then not just then, so that it doesn't end there. People who will carry it on. Recently, I was reflecting on the changes in the cultural landscape. I had my 62nd birthday recently. 
And I, I, bet I was reflecting, like, what has happened in, in my lifetime? And, and I'll ask you, during the last 62 years, would you say that Christians have impacted Western culture? Or has Western culture impacted Christians? During the time that I've been on the planet, our society, Canadian society, has removed scripture reading and Christian prayer from public schools and the political forum. The Lord's Day was dispensed with in favor of money. Divorce has been made frighteningly easy. Marriage has become optional and not a very pleasant option to a lot of people. Premarital and extramarital sexuality just expected and accepted as the norm. Pornography use. Wow. Rampant. Abortion. Accepted. Lesbian, gay, bisexual, transsexual, and other sexual relationships uh, normalized. Assisted suicide legalized. Euthanasia right on the doorstep. And a recreational use of cannabis, first championed as a great thing now legalized. Further, the Supreme Court of Canada has ruled that someone educated an environment in an environment in which biblical sexual morality is affirmed is really unfit to practice law in Canada. That's our highest legal authority. And none of those things existed on the day I was born in 1956. And now that I've been a believer of Jesus for almost 40 years, it's actually not a resume that I'm proud of. And the question cries out, doesn't it, to the follower of Jesus, all right, how shall we then live? How shall we then live? How should we live? We, we've got a guide. Uh, it's the New Testament. And our social context is nothing new. In fact, it's resembling more and more the moral milieu of the Mediterranean culture in which the Apostle Paul moved, lived, and preached. And the way of Jesus in all its statements provides a pathway that can help guide us as we seek to be agents not of judgment and condemnation as Bill pointed out so well a, a number of weeks back, uh, but agents of reconciliation. Uh, what, and, and the way of Jesus puts this so beautifully, you know, I mean, again, it's not, but to, to, to sense as our mission that we are sent, Jesus 
is leading us, sending us to bless others and invite them to follow him. Hey, if we did that, gang, we'd, we'd be making a difference. Nice focus. Oh, I'm here. I know. I'm, I'm here. Jesus helping me to bless people and invite them to follow him. That's good and better. Good and, you know. But we have to take these things seriously, don't we? We have to do them. And we, whether we embrace the way of Jesus pathway or some other discipline that will allow Jesus to shape us into his image, we'd probably better be serious about being helped and helping someone to be reproducing followers of Jesus. I think that would be probably something the Lord would think would be a good thing. And we just may be the only hope that there is for our nation. It may be, may be us. Maybe you, maybe me. A number of years ago, uh, a young quarterback by the name of Russell Wilson broke into the starting lineup of the Seattle Seahawks as a first-year player, and this was something no one had expected. He wasn't a high draft pick. But it soon became evident that he possessed a calm and an authority and, uh, that was beyond his years. Uh, and he ended up experiencing, quite, in quite short order, remarkable success. Turns out that he's a dedicated Christian. And in an interview, he related that his father had raised him with an empowering attitude, urging him not to shy away from challenges that others uh, might expect were beyond him. His dad would say to him, if not you, who? If not now, when? And that became his theme. And I wonder if our Heavenly Father isn't saying the same to us as individuals, and as a congregation, if not you, who? If not now, when? I'd like us to take a moment of quiet to consider how we will respond to this. Um, and I just say, if the Lord is speaking to you, has been speaking to you this morning, from whatever source, Take a note of it. Make a note of it. So just take a few moments of, of quiet to ask Jesus what he might be saying to you.
Okay. Now, if you have sensed Jesus saying something to you, um, make a note of it, as I've said, and talk about it with someone that you might be accountable to that. Maybe in your small groups or a friend or your spouse or, and say, you know, I think Jesus wants me to do this thing. And it may be, may be really small, right? In, in the eyes of others. But it's important. It's the first step. Connecting with Jesus is the first step in, all, in the next leg of your journey. So take it seriously. Be held accountable to it. Refreshments, prayer here. Uh, uh, it's interesting that uh, there's a motto that goes along with this way of Jesus, and uh, it's, it's this. Like Jesus, for Jesus, in the power of the Spirit of Jesus like Jesus because we can be for Jesus actually without being like Jesus <laughs> so, and that's regrettable like Jesus for Jesus in the power of the spirit of Jesus and may that be your experience as you leave and go forth this week God bless you